Welcome to the Pied webinar. We are going to take up the Central Bank Independence for a third time. Two times before we did it, now we are doing it for a third time. We are trying to understand it in a way that we can understand it. So we have spoken to our first speaker. We will show you a little bit of detail. But today, our speakers are very important. We are trying to understand it further. इस सब्जेक्ट को समझ लें एंड लेट्स ट्राई एंड सी व्हाट वी कैन गेन ऑन सेंट्रल बैंक इंडिपेंडेंस जो लॉ नई आई है वो तो अभी हमें मिली तो नहीं है बट उसके झलकियां इधर उधर से मिल गई हैं तो हमें ये नहीं पक्का पता कि कौन सी लॉ है बट झलकियां जैसे कुछ फाइनेंस मिनिस्ट्री ने स्लाइड शो भी दिखा दिया है कुछ हमें चोरी वाली मिल गई हैं तो कुछ आइडिया है पर पूरी तरह आइडिया नहीं है तो लेट्स बी वेरी क्लियर कि वी आर नॉट फुली इन द नो ऑफ व्हाट्स हैपनिंग बट दिस सब्जेक्ट हैज बीन लॉन्ग इन डिस्कशन This subject has been discussed at least since the 1980s. And I think that we've got nobody better than Dr. Muhammad Yaqub, former Central Bank Governor and former IMF staff member and former National Security um, Council Advisor. He's held many roles. So he's with us today. He's very kindly agreed to be with us today. And Dr. Yaqub hopefully will begin by telling us case law ki history ki aur iski kya. Then of course, we've got Shahid Kardar, who's also a former governor. Also well-known Pakistani personality, former provincial finance minister as well, currently Bikanao's vice chancellor. So we got two good proponents or um, protagonists. So let's have a good debate on this. Let me begin by asking Yaqub Saab to tell us the history and give us a, a, a rationale for the law and what he thinks of the law that he's heard so far. Yaqub Saab, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be. I'll try to be brief. Although the subject is a quite a lengthy one. In Pakistan, the first time the attempt was made to legislate autonomy was in 1993, when I was the governor of the state bank. And now, for the second time, an attempt again is being made to legislate the autonomy of the State Bank of Pakistan. This time, apparently, is being done under the advice and directions of the IMF under its law. Now, what I want to do is to make a presentation. And for presentational purposes, I would broadly divide the State Bank economy into three categories, although they are interrelated, but separating them would be helpful. First one is the administrative autonomy. Second is the regulatory autonomy. And third is the monetary policy autonomy. Now, some of you who are relatively young may not know that before 1993, State Bank was completely subservient to the Ministry of Finance administratively. The board members who were appointed were not appointed on merit. The finance secretary, when he attended the board meetings, dominated the discussions and dictated the decisions. And even then, those decisions could not be implemented unless they went back to the Ministry of Finance for approval. Then the governors had no job security, they could be removed anytime for 
without any reason. State bank could not use its monetary policy tools without the approval of the Ministry of Finance. And its annual report could not be issued unless it was cleared by the Ministry of Finance. So in a way, the state bank was an extension of the Ministry of Finance and the monetary policy was an extension of the fiscal policy. So this was the situation when I took over and we tried to make changes in the system that was in operation at that time. And under the premiership of Moin Qureshi, we drafted an ordinance to give autonomy to the State Bank of Pakistan. Under this ordinance, which was subsequently approved by the National Assembly with some amendments, the governor was given a job security. He could not be removed without reason like misconduct or misappropriation. The, the finance secretary who attended the board meeting was treated as a member, one member, just like other members and not the dominating force. Board decisions were not sent to the finance for approval. Annual report of the state bank began to be published by the State Bank without clearance from the Ministry of Finance. And it, it could use the monetary policy tools without seeking approval of the Ministry of Finance. In a nutshell, the administrative part of the autonomy was granted to, to, uh, to, to the State Bank in 19. 93. Now, the question is, does the state bank require further strengthening of the administrative side of the autonomy? The answer to the question is yes. But when I looked at this document, which, which, I, which is the only document that I have received about the amendments in being introduced, out of the 19 pages that it has, five are devoted to what looks like a, an attempt to improve the administrative autonomy of the State Bank of Pakistan. But when I read them, they all relate to the tenure of the governor, the tenure of the deputy governors, the tenure of board members, the uh, investigation or prosecution or lack thereof of, of these fun, fun, functionaries. And all this may be important, but this has nothing to do with the autonomy of the State Bank of Pakistan. This has something to do with the individual's protection. So let, let me try to explain what I'm saying. Now, under the one provision, the governor is now entitled to have two five-year terms. Now, back in 1993, when we were drafting the ordinance, this subject was discussed in detail. What should be the tenure of the governor and how many terms can he take? 
And at the Haas level, we came to the conclusion that the governor should be appointed for a one term of five years, non-renewable for the simple reason that if he is merely renewable, he ha will have the temptation to work more to secure a second term than to protect the fundamental responsibilities of the State Bank of Pakistan. That five-year term was subsequently when the, the, when the ordinance went to the National Assembly, Bangladesh government changed into from five years to three years and renewed for a second time. But that was going against the spirit with which we were trying to say that it should be a one term. So I personally believe that this two-term governorship is not the right one. It should be a governor appointed for one term for five years so that he devotes himself to the working during that tenure rather than trying to get the second tenure. Then question comes of the deputy governors. Now the deputy governors are also being recommended to be appointed by the by the government with one amendment and that is that the state bank governor will first consult the minister of finance, develop three names, again send them to the ministry of finance and they can pick one of them and appoint them. Now, my submission is that the government's involvement in the affairs of the state bank should be reduced by letting the deputy governor be governors be appointed by the board of directors of the state bank and board, not by the ministry of finance. And the, in this way, the role of the board will increase and the role of the, the government in the administrative side of the state bank will be reduced. Furthermore, the, the deputy governors should be appointed from within the career staff. This was the practice until 1993 when I was the governor. And the reason for that is that if you appoint the governor from outside, you need to have his colleague who has institutional memory. He knows the history what's going on so that it can effectively guide the governor who doesn't know what was going on in the State Bank of Pakistan. And it is also important that the career staff should have incentive for career progression, at least of one of them to the level of the deputy governor. So the deputy governor should be appointed by the board. They should be appointed from within the uh, career staff of the State Bank of Pakistan. And the present practice that has been started, I think, uh, after I left, you know, uh, up by importing the deputy governors from abroad, in addition to the, the governors, the combination of the two is not a healthy thing. And it, it only makes this lo local staff feeling that their career paths are being blocked. 
Then third point I want to make is that there are so many provisions mentioned here in, in this document, which are meant to protect the state bank management staff for, from prosecution and investigation. In my humble opinion, nobody in any country should be above the law and the law should be applicable to everybody. And this protection does not necessarily strengthen the autonomy of the State Bank of Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Then my fourth point is that there has been a gradual attempt to erode the authority of the Board of Directors of the State Bank of Pakistan. Already the monetary policy, which is the core function of the central bank has been taken out of the hands of the central bank and given to a monetary com committee. There is a additional between here in this, this document that the annual report or the economic reports that the state bank used to be producing and leading from the central board should not be cleared anymore. They should be written by the governor, submitted by the governor in his name. Now, weakening of the board of directors goes against fundamentally the best international practices that is supposed to be the key factor determining these recommendations. And in my opinion, a powerful board performs two functions. First, the board becomes a buffer between the government and the management. And second, it acts as a check of authority by the government. So the board's weakening is not in the best interest of the state bank of Pakistan. But this is basically about the administrative autonomy. Now let me go to the regulatory autonomy of the State Bank of Pakistan. Again, in 1923, when I took over, the State Bank's regulatory authority was very limited. And the reason was, first of all, there was this Pakistan Banking Council, which was a parallel central bank set up by the government, which had control over the commercial banks. It could audit them and also uh, make decisions about their management. Then there was massive interference of the Ministry of Finance and the commercial banks, particularly when they were nationalized. A huge staff was created in the Ministry of Finance, which was looking after supervising the commercial banks. And State Bank was in a way sidelined, which was actually the real regulatory authority of the commercial banks. Government controlled the approval of new banks and liquidation of old banks, and thereby marginalized the case of regulatory authority of the State Bank of Pakistan. It created many problems. You would have heard the Mehran Bank scandal, 
this was basically the scandal that reflected the lack of authority of the state bank in issuing the uh, bank licenses, you know. So in this atmosphere, we took care of these problems by reforms that were introduced in 1997. Pakistan Banking Council was abolished. Bank Nationalization Act was amended to stop government interference in commercial banks and improve their governance. Banking companies ordinance was revised to strengthen the role of the state bank. State bank was made sole regulatory authority and the authority to issue licenses for banks. Bank ins inspection staff was trained and equipped and the regulations were strengthened. The result is that state bank is not doing well as a regulator with the sole authority to sanction banks and privatization of banks has strengthened the state bank regulation. The result is that this, this new amendments contain no further changes in the regulatory authority of the state bank of Pakistan. Now the third part, which is the most important part of autonomy is the monetary policy autonomy. And this is in a very messy situation. Monetary policy autonomy was very carefully drafted by us in 1997. And we introduced two sections in the State Bank Act, section 9A and 9B, with the sole purpose of making the State Bank the sole institution responsible for the uh, formulation and implementation of monetary policy. Uh, actually, at that time, Zubair Khan was a commerce minister and I and Zubair Khan sat together and drafted these two amendments very carefully. What were the main provisions of those amendments? Main provisions was, number one, the state bank will have the sole authority to conduct a market-based monetary policy. Number two, the state bank will determine and then enforce the limitation on government borrowing from the State Bank of Pakistan based on the monetary policy considerations and not on the fiscal requirements of the government. Number three, that the State Bank will submit quarterly reports to the parliament and the purpose there was that the parliament will uh, hold meetings there, call the governors, ask questions, make him accountable and also get educated. We also set up an organization called Fiscal and Monetary Policy Coordination Board. And the purpose was that in this board, in this board, before the annual budget is introduced, they will set together and develop what 
is the inflation target, what is the growth target, and other policies. And in, in this, the planning minister or the deputy chairman of the planning commission, the commerce minister, the minister of finance, and the governor were to be part, the participants. Now, without having a growth target and an inflation target, monetary policy could not be formulated, nor could the fiscal policy be formulated. So the purpose was to have a macroeconomic framework that is commonly understood by all parties in the government. And on that basis, the state bank could for, formulate its monetary policy. This arrangement or this framework was followed for, for one year, but it was completely bypassed thereafter. And in fact, subsequently attempts were made to even amend these sections. Now, what has happened since then is once they abandoned this, there has been a massive government borrowing from the state bank directly during the last decade or so. And that had had very, very adverse implications for both inflation, external account, and the economy in general. This direct borrowing was stopped when the IMF entered into an agreement with the government this time. But that is being done under the compulsion of the IMF. Now it is proposed under this act, this, this may be made permanent that there will be no direct borrowing by the government from the State Bank of Pakistan. Now, Second section for provision is that all concessional lending programs that the government develops would not be funded by the banking system or subsidized by the State Bank of Pakistan. And the third major point is that the finance actor who used to be the member of the board will be removed from the board. These, in my view, are valid provisions that should be followed through in the amendments. You know. But then there are many questionable decisions or directions that have been set in this document. The first is the abolition of the Fiscal and Monetary Policy Coordination Board. Now, if you abolish it, and there's no coordination between various policies, then you don't have a consistent macroeconomic policy framework under which policies are being formulated. Yeah. Now, what they're saying is that this should be replaced by an informal contact between the Minister of Finance and the Governor and in that in, informal consultation, they could agree on certain things and implement them. 
but the important thing is not the individuals doing things. The important thing is institutional channels being created and maintained for the coordination of policies, you know. And for that reason, the abolition of the Fiscal and Monetary Policy Coordination Board, I, in my judgment, would be a retroactive step. In this process, there is an implicit message that comes out that there will be a de-link of monetary policy from fiscal, developmental, and growth strategy. And the state bank will have its, its inflation target set up on its own considerations. Now this advice, if it is coming from the IMF, is surprising because the IMF itself gives advice to various governments based on its macroeconomic policy framework. Now here it is being said that the state bank can do its own targeting of inflation, divorce from what the government does to create the monetary policy. Let it be known that in Pakistan, unlike in many developed countries, inflation cannot be controlled by monetary policy alone because it's not uh, exclusively a monetary phenomenon. Inflation in Pakistan is, is, is a complex subject. It's, it has supply side of inflation. It has structural inflation. It has imported side of inflation. It is utility price induced inflation, market distortions and all that. So both inflation targets, targeting and inflation control should not be based exclusively on monetary considerations, but on macroeconomic policy framework, which includes the fiscal policy and other policies. Similarly, there is an implied reference in this document that developmental role of the monetary policy is to be minimized. The monetary policy is one of the most important tools. Monetary policy includes the exchange rate policy. So the credit policy and the exchange rate policy play an important role in the development of the economy. And they cannot be isolated from the rest of the policies. Therefore, there is a need for the monetary policy to be an integrated with the other policies. Then the only way it can be done is through institutional arrangements like the Fiscal and Monetary Policy Coordination Board. Now, I must emphasize and I think the state state bank should be aware that there's a difference between autonomy and anarchy. And there's a difference between autonomy from the government and autonomy within the government. What we are looking for is autonomy within the government that once the inflation targets and the growth targets are set up, the state bank should come back home and do it, its work of determining what the safe limit 
of, of expansion of that domestic assets of the country, how much credit is needed by the private sector to achieve the targets of growth and investment that are set. And it then residually determines what is the safe limit of borrowing by the government from the State Bank of Pakistan or for, the, for that matter from the uh, commercial banks. Now, in this regard, let me finally point out one very important point that is missing even in the writings of the State Bank of Pakistan. Right now, the State Bank is, is not lending to the government directly, but it is lending to the government indirectly to the commercial banks. The commercial banks are supposed to be mobilizing deposits from the private sector and using those resources to give credit to the private sector as a first priority. What's happening now is that the government comes for borrowing to the commercial banks. Commercial banks lend it to the government because they, they find that the risks of default in lending to the government is low. And the result is that they, instead of lending to the private sector, they lend to the government. And they lend it not by mobilizing deposits, but by going to the discount window of the state bank and discounting the same government papers with the state bank, taking a uh, credit from there and financing the government. So in a way, the state bank is financing the government via commercial banks. And this leads to many adverse consequences. The, the most important one being that the private sector is deprived of the legitimate credit needs are not being met. So that aspect of lending through commercial banking to the government needs to be checked by the state bank through its various instruments which it has at its disposal. And if possible, they should be explicitly mentioned in any reform process. Now, this is briefly what my comments are on the amendments that are being introduced. I did not have the privilege of reading the entire document of reform that has been produced. I don't know if few people have, and I may have missed many things that are there, but I was basically led by this document, which, which gives a lot of mention, that's, there's a mention here that uh, it's, uh, it's being driven by past international practices and the ground realities in Pakistan. And the ground realities in Pakistan, I think the IMF has not understood properly. The ground realities is that the, in this country, laws are not being enforced. And we have many laws on books that remain 
unattended. One of the most important one is the Fiscal Responsibility Act, under which the government is supposed not to have debt beyond a certain limit. And it's crossing it, that law still exists, and we have no reports. So the laws are as good as, the, as their implementation. And even if these laws are passed, if the Ministry of Finance is passing these laws because it wants to satisfy the conditionality of the IMF, this will become redundant as soon as the IMF program is uh, not there. So there are a lot of problems that we are faced in, the, in Pakistan, which the IMF probably is not aware of. That is my brief introduction. And I'll be glad to answer any question that you may have. Thank, Thank you very much, much Dr. Sir. Thank you very much, Dr. Jakub. Thank you very much. That was very extensive and very well thought out comments. I appreciate that. Shahid Kardar, over to you for your actual thought. Well, I suffer from the same problem that none of us really has access to uh, the document, but whatever we've been able to glean from uh, you know reports generally in the press and of course, uh, uh, from the website of the Ministry of Finance. Uh, nevertheless, um, on, on many things I agree with Dr. Uh, Yaku, uh, but, but I part company with him on some of them. Let me come to those in a moment. To begin with, I think let's accept that there would be a general support for autonomy and independence of any institution. I mean, you know, the, the concept should be that they should have greater the issue is the nature and the extent of it. And most of us would passionately argue that the operational aspects of autonomy and independence should not be compromised. So that goes without saying. Now let me move on very quickly. Uh, Dr. Yaku was very kind to give us the history. The principal argument being made for amending the 1956 Act, of course, over the period it has changed, and Dr. Yaku very rightly reminded us of the major amendments that were made in, 19, in the 1990s and then thereafter some adjustment, is that it lacks clarity with respect to functions, objectives, and accountability. Now, so setting them out clearly is in many ways a step in the right direction and legitimately one would support that because there is also a redundancy in some policy actions and, in, and instruments over time. What I take issue with, that's where I part company with Dr. Yakub to begin with, is that the new law has assumed that the objectives and functions of the 1956 Act, which was essentially a reflection of the economic structure of that era and which continued right uh, up to the late 80s and the early 90s for a variety of other reasons, should continue to be performed by the state bank in today's economic structure. That's my first point I want to make. And I emphasize this, and I'll give examples of this, because of the con potential conflict between objectives and functions. And since this webinar is really essentially about the law, most of my comments will be confined to the law, but I would urge PIDE to conduct webinars uh, really to discuss and debate what functions and objectives should really be the mandate of the central bank. To give you some examples, the state bank continues to perform certain functions which it shouldn't. 
A component of debt management is being performed by the central bank for the government. Examples, soliciting deposits, safe deposits, deposits from other central banks, the Russian digital account. And then the second one, which Dr. Yakub raised and reminded us, is the injections. The average injection for the year until the end of February was one trillion. In March, earlier it was raised to 1.2. Just last week, which is still uh, continuing as part of the injection period, is 1.6 trillion. That is 3.3% of GDP. What is it doing? Keeping the cost of government debt lower than it would have been without injections, the point that Dr. Yakub made. And what is it costing the government? It can be as low as 50. We all know, Nadeem, you know it, everyone. Basic understanding of what it is. The net cost to government is really as low as 50 basis points. Why would my behavior change for 50 basis points? Then there is the issue of conflict between objectives. You have a high interest rate to squeeze demand. And, uh, and I'm not going to talk about the, the impact on growth. I mean, that's something I'll touch upon because a lot of people have talked about it. And so I've brought Yakub. But what does it do? It is helping also to keep the rupee overvalued. So you raise the interest rate, supposedly to squeeze demand, but what you're also doing is this part. It also has implications for the stability of the financial system. Now the asset side of the banking sector will be under stress. So these, these are things that one institution, which is not actually coordinating and looking at a macro framework in, uh, jointly with the rest of government, uh, the point that Dr. Yakub made. It also raises questions about the anchor. Now, it has accepted uh, as the anchor the, the CPI. Some may argue that perhaps the anchor should be the exchange rate. I don't know. I'm just raising it. These are the things that I think we need to discuss. I'd be comparing the, the exchange rate is now market driven. I find that interesting to the extent that if you talk to any of the banks uh, whose annual remittance of dividends, repatriation of profit is 1.5 billion, talk to the Nestle's and Unilever's of this world, the trouble they have in remitting profits. Similarly, how can you have a market-driven exchange rate when you have capital controls and so on and so forth? Okay. Well, let me move on very quickly to a discussion on the objectives. We've already mentioned that the primary objective is by stability, followed by stability of the financial system. It's not clear to me what price stability actually means. One man's view of stability, based on, say, an inflation range of 5 to 7% or 6 to 8%, would be another man's view that this is inflation. So obviously, someone has to set the target that should be accepted, but not just the institution. And I mean, let, let us not forget, we've never had the kind of high rates of inflation of the Zimbabwe's and the Zambia's and, you know, the Sudan's and the Venezuela, the Argentinians and the Iran's of this world. Also, Jakub has uh, mentioned the history, but frankly, I'd like to be enlightened when the state bank in the last 25 to 30 years has been unable to exercise autonomy and powers under the existing law, 
on performing its functions relating to the monetary policy and ensuring stability of the financial system. Frankly, I see, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience and I know the experience of the others. Uh, I mean, typical example is this particular institution right now, they were able to raise interest rates 13.25% under the existing law. On the management of the exchange rate, um, there have been, there are two variants. Period in which the institution itself kept an overvalued exchange rate, there was no pressure from Islamabad. Let's not confuse the issue. The other variant has been when there were certain people in power who were siphoning or taking money outside the country. And for them, keeping the exchange rate overvalued made a lot of sense. Now, taking funds abroad is no longer that simple. We all know that. So what am I saying? De jure has never been an issue. The problem, if any, is the de facto autonomy, essentially dependent on the mindset of the key decision makers of, of the government of the time. Frankly, I cannot see that change changing fundamentally. Coming to the primary objective, to achieve and maintain uh, domestic price stability, they have chosen right now the CPI as the anchor, which has a 58% weightage of food and energy. And everyone has been discussing it. Dr. Jacob also very rightly reminds us these are issues over which, uh, frankly, the central bank has no control. But if you choose that as the anchor and you take prime responsibility or the total responsibility for, for inflation, should the government refer inflation every time to the state bank? There is also, uh, and so I'm not going to, and, and we've talked about it, and it has been mentioned, imported inflation, oil prices, international, and so on and so forth. There is also the demand side of things that we have not, which has not been mentioned in the uh, debate in the media that I've seen, which is not impact, impacted by revisions in the interest rate. One is the informal sector, reflected partly by the currency in circulation, which is today 6.7 trillion, which is 14.5% of GDP. Secondly, remittances create a demand for goods and services, that's a 8.4% of GDP. So they, these are, then if you look at multilateral donor assistance, that creates a demand for goods and services indirectly by saying, if these are, there are two types of loans, as you all know, one, they're program loans in which you will be reimbursed money if you actually first spend it. Secondly, if it's a project loan, we all know, that you will get the money if you can show the counterpart rupee of it. So in a sense, there is certain there is certain of the demand side that cannot be addressed that simply through interest rate adjustments. A key component of aggregate demand, let us not forget, is government. Today, barely 20% of bank borrowing is really to the private sector. So the aggregate demand is being essentially created by government. We all know uh, the issue of deficits, the expenditure rigidity, the elasticities in that sense. And the biggest share of that is interest, which is growing at the fastest pace that we can think of. And also in this context, I would also like to understand when it comes to demand management, the matter of our output gap. 
Well, the growth rate is a bare 3%. I mean, does that reflect the potential of the economy? If you start messing around with interest rates, you squeeze the economy. Moving on to the subject of accountability that Dr. Yakub also mentioned. Who should appoint the governor? And also, who should the institution be accountable to on the achievement of its objectives? I find the draft is somewhat poor on this. Allow me to illustrate just one example. It wants a corporate structure which Yarkov also seems to support, where the appointing authority should be the president, but the terms and conditions of employment should be negotiated or decided by the board. Okay. Whose ex non-executive members, Dr. Yarkov probably hasn't seen this, the non-executive members supposedly will be appointed by government, but from the list of candidates provided by the central bank, in this case, the government. The second obvious question to me is that can such powers be granted entirely to this body on matters which are far too important and sensitive for the country's economy? And that would lead us slowly to the, uh, the targeting, who does the targeting, where the uh, discussions should take place. I'll come to that in a moment especially if the decisions can seriously compromise the growth and employment prospects. And, and let, let us also remember, if this institution is monitoring or uh, assessing the, or evaluating the performance of the management of the board, the minutes of this uh, board are not kept in the public domain. So, so all, everything is going to take place within, uh, you know, cocoon. And, and totally uh, um, opaque. So who should abide the governor? In my opinion, his appointment should be for one term, for reasons I'm not going to go through, because he's very nicely articulated in one term for five years, end of story. And it should be ratified by the finance committee. And if the finance committee feels the need, it may do, it should induct experts who assist them in the process of ratification. Next, who should set the targets? Certainly not the board and the SPP management. Uh, a proposal I believe I read was that the NEC should be setting a target. Uh, as far as, I'm, as I can see, the governor is not a member of the NEC, but more importantly, it is not designed to carry out a serious debate. It only meets once a year. But apart from targets, I feel there is a need to formulate the parameters and the criteria for both monetary policy and financial stability on the basis of which performance can be assessed. It's not just you know, targets, but also uh, the parameters and criteria under which, so that they have the operational autonomy to use the instruments to achieve certain things. Which also means that the institution should not just be submitting an annual report to Parliament, and Dr. Yarkov has already mentioned that, but also required to be quizzed and questioned by the Finance Committee, of course, assisted by experts if they feel that way. And at, at a minimum, twice a year. And these should be public hearings. On the subject of coordination, uh, it's been well spelled out that it should be the Monetary and Fiscal Coordination Board. 
The draft proposal has no formal institutional structure. Uh, Dr. Yakub reminded us, refers to close liaison with finance minister. What does this phrase mean? I will meet him every time I go to Islamabad or the finance minister comes to Karachi. Or I'm to WhatsApp You can't be serious. You need to have a formal institutional structure. And I think the monetary because that will help us to do so. You see, part of the problem, uh, and I want to go back to something I said at the very beginning, the kind of functions and objectives that should now be mandated uh, going forward. I can see that if you ask an institution to amend the law, understandably, it would protect its stuff. No one wants to change the stuff, right? I mean, I'm an employee there. I want to protect and secure my continuation. I thought we would see some vision. Our vision here, and I hate to talk about individual, but it's not my style at all. Contribute talking policy. Our vision here, that the Ministry of Finance decided to decide, and it was very tough, so it should be decided by the board. This is the And secondly, and more amusingly, Show me one legislation which will show that if I have to go outside, board because there are problems to get permission from the government. Can you think of any law which mention that? Law actually stating that permission to travel should be, I mean, be part of a process or a procedure, but certainly not that. So, so one was hoping there would be some vision that would be join, uh, if not externally, but certainly but, and you know, Dr. Yagu I'm more privy to the reason for why that has been introduced. Our style is in Ireland. Our style is in Ireland. Sir, if you change change Because And obviously, no one is above the law and so on and so forth. Whatever you may think of now, and the way it operates, and that goes without saying. But nevertheless, I'll just stop here uh, because Dr. Yakub uh, very articulate, giving us the history. Thank you very much. Let me also, before we go further, let me show you a couple of slides that I think both you and Dr. Yakub should look at. Yeah, real state bank interest rates, real interest rates. Okay. If state bank has held a fairly positive real interest rates from 1993 onwards, and sometimes very high. So I said, as you said, autonomy strengthen autonomy or state bank is perfectly capable of setting high interest rates as and when necessary. I mean, this chart seems to suggest that. The second interesting chart that I want you to see is net borrowing by the government. Again, borrowing has not been um, so large. Recently, yes, it has gone up a little. But quite frankly, if you look at the, in terms of money supply or in terms of rupees, it's not that large in terms of some weighted weighting, GDP or whatever, it's not that large. And again, we have to think about it, case ki urgency But look at the next chart. If you look at commercial banks, mix commercial banks in the recent years, commercial banks are credit central banks are And again, we can see central bank has the ability and what you mentioned about the um, open market operation, the injection of liquidity, 
So yes, of course, that is also a window that's open. Now the question that I'll come back to Yakub Sab. Yakub Sab, is the law ki koi urgency thi ya existing jo uh, law hai that's good enough? And secondly, kya ye jo um, uh, ye target setting hai? Target setting aapke khayal mein kaise honi chahiye? Target setting kaise honi chahiye? Or dusri chiz aapke khayal mein you 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 I, I got the feeling that you didn't want the monetary policy committee so what should be the vehicle the instrument for making monetary policy decisions yakub sir please let me first give you the framework that we used in the state bank to determine the monetary policy that the question i think that shahad has also raised you know the, the proper way of formulating monetary policy is that you have a growth target given to you. You have an inflation target that is given to you by somebody, by yourself or by a committee or whatever it is. Based on that, you determine what is the safe limit of the expansion of money supply. Okay. And there are formulations, there are historical studies that indicate to you the relationship between them and you can determine what is the safe limit of monetary expansion in a given period, let's say annual plan period. Then the second thing, most important thing is not how much the government needs, how much the private sector needs to achieve the target of investment, trade and other sectors. Residually, you determine also what is going to be the impact of the foreign sector. That is, are you going to have a net increase in your, uh, in your reserves or a reduction in your reserves because that has a monetary implication. After working out all residually, you determine, is there any scope for government to borrow from the State Bank of Pakistan? That is the framework that is used and should be used. It has been abundant recently because recently, the only thing that the monetary policy has looked at is what should be the level of the short-term interest rates, you know. The interest rate is a very important determinant of money supply, but there are many other factors that create reserve money, which needs to be managed. So the framework in the state bank we have created was very clear. We had a macroeconomic framework also put in place there. Whether that is still in existence or not, I do not know. Now, that framework gives you a chance to conduct a monetary policy that is market-based monetary policy, and that is oriented towards expansion of credit in line with the requirement of the private sector. What happens is when the government borrows directly from the central bank, it creates a, what you know is the high-powered money. So it sets in motion expansion in money supply that is beyond the control of the central bank. And that needs to be avoided. And we, for the avoidance of that, we had created this section 9A and 9B. Both of them have been mutilated afterwards because beginning with the, uh, Musharraf's government, nobody followed those laws, those sections. And nobody listened to what the state bank was to say. And, no, and even the state bank didn't say much. It followed uh, the principle. 
So Shahat's most important point is you can have on books laws if they are not implemented or followed for whatever reasons, then it becomes a meaningless exercise. So the operational point, the factual situation, the de facto autonomy of the state bank is not there. The governors become subservient to the requirements of their job and maintenance of their job. And there are very few of us who had the guts to say, we no more need this job, we can leave it. One of them is sitting next to you, Shahid, who when he was confronted with the president and dictates, he told me, I cannot do it. He had to leave. But if the governors are appointed who are subservient to the cause of their careers, then no amount of legislative authority will ensure autonomy to the State Bank of Pakistan. And I think the, the point I was making was that the government should have the least least possibility of appointing the key players. They have to appoint the governor, they can. Although in my judgment, if the governors are to be appointed, there should be in the law some specification, what should be their qualifications. You, know? you pick up somebody from here or there, put him there because he meets your requirement uh, of doing things that you dictate him to do. Or should there be a qualification of, uh, of a governor. Then the governor should not be sitting there looking for second extension of second tenure. They should be acting upon that and that requires cuts. So there are all sorts of important considerations. Same, same is true of the uh, 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 board of directors. If the board of directors are dummies or are incompetent people, they will not perform the function that I am suggesting. What I'm suggesting is powerful central board directors who are competent in their areas, and then they supervise the management, and they also have a check on the government because the government cannot really go through them to the central bank for intervention, you know. So the de facto things are not there, and the DJ things were introduced by us. They were not followed through and there was no result from there. I, I want to make one more point and that is that the central bank has to have a character of its own people should judge it by the quality of work that they do. They should have fundamental research work done there, fundamental policy follow or uh, back by an analysis and all that. That at least in my days, I would think it was lacking. You know? So that should be done there. So most of the points that Shah has made, I agree with him. And I, I think he, 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 in the short period he was there, he tried to maintain the de facto part of the autonomy. 
and he and I failed to do that one. And that is a separate issue. Thank so you, Nadeem. Nadeem, I don't know whether I have answered your question or not. No, no, you have, you have, you have. Uh, but, but, but the question that I have again is, Kaji, agar, um, agar ke central bank interest rate set up kar sakta hai at real levels which are very high. Or agar ke jasi Yaqub sahab keh rahe ke inflation is not really a monetary phenomenon. To where is the limitation in the law? Jo abhi hume itna rush hai ki hum pass kare law. And uh, Yaqub sahab ne bilkul thik kaha you know, the law is being passed even as we have summarily fired Tariq Banuri, who was a tenured by law, um, you know, chairman of the SCC, of the HEC. And it was done by an ordinance, which was, uh, again, very quickly passed. To credibility of the law, the Haini. But again, leaving that aside for a moment, agar hum dekhen, financial system I want to raise another question. state bank first objective price stability, which as you said is difficult to define, a and also the connection with monetary policy and the price also is hard to establish in an economy like Pakistan where there are a large number of administrative prices. But the second issue is we also giving the financial stability the second objective. And the third objective is growth. So where is the real change? I mean, law may change hai ya nahi hai. Or secondly, kya ye mujhe Goodhart ka article yaad hai bada parana, ki ji, agar price stability, or England ne iski basis pe law bhi change kiya ta, phir dobara kar liya, ki agar price stability or financial stability in conflict hai, so does that mean that the price stability will give way to financial stability as for example happened in 2008 crisis, right? Um, the same thing for growth, for example. Yaqub sahab ne kaha ke growth ka target hume koi de de, to hum inflation target. But then these two targets are kind of combined, Phillips curve shows that. So how about, how do we, living, moving beyond the law, how do we deal with it if we want to sort of fix the law, how do we deal with these issues? Go ahead, Chai. Some of the things that you mentioned, uh, I've already mentioned in the past, in my presentation earlier, there is nothing stopping, or there was nothing stopping, even under the existing law. real interest rates, uh, uh, recently, 13.25 real interest rate, what was the The question, <coughs> again, when you look at the financial stability, we're confusing two things in financial stability. One is the system, as opposed to trying to inspect and regulate institutions. Yeah, that's, these are two separate things. I think we need to be much clearer what is required for stability of the, that's why I keep insisting. We need to have the criteria and the parameters to judge what means, what do we mean by financial stability to be able to assess performance. Growth, I know your thinking and my thinking in many ways is the same. There is a trade-off between growth and inflation. inflation It's been well under control. We've never had those kinds of you know, inflation rates. Can we really compromise growth in a country 
where growth rates are now down to 3%, employment prospects where we need growth rates of at least in excess of 6%. I mean, even a, a country like the US has a federal reserve whose one of the objectives is employment promotion. I mean, employment is one of the objectives. How can we not have that? And that is uh, one of the questions that you are. It's a, it's, it's a balancing act continues to be, has to be continuously monitored, you know, uh, and if we are sitting together as part of the government through the, uh, the uh, Monetary Fiscal Coordination Board, then the balancing act can be handled much, much better through a macro framework, uh, then if it is left to just one agency. So in a sense, it is a combined effort, and in my opinion, to continue to be that way, and because there are certain things that we should not compromise. Uh, and uh, we've discussed enough on the factors which lead to inflation and the fact that inflation has never been a real issue in this country. And most of the policies that the central bank has been able to uh, actually implement have, under the existing law, have not constrained them in any way. And I'll give you, you see, even when it comes to the kind of intervention uh, but in my case, I'm aware of other cases where the intervention of our assessment of the intervention is so changed. bank is relaxed. No, our thought is limited. So, the fear of intervention has been, I think, exaggerated. Yes, there are times when there has been a de facto uh, intervention and the reasons I've already mentioned earlier. Thank you. Can I, can I, can I supplement yes, something? What uh, Shah is saying? Please the, go ahead. the experience of monetary uh, and fiscal policy coordination board that I had, it, is, mm. it was chaired by the finance minister and initially their reaction was to convert it into a, a forum in which they discuss the monetary policy. Mm. So I, from the very beginning, made it very clear mm. that each one of us will have to explain their respective policies and I will explain mine. But there will be no dictation to each other. It will be to understand it. And I resisted the temptation mm. of the Ministry of Finance to write minutes in which the viewpoints that I raised were not even mentioned. And I told the France minister that I'll have to revise the, that part of the minutes, which I said something and which you have written nothing about, I'll have to add that. And that this, this monetary and fiscal coordination policy is not a super central bank sitting on the central bank looking at it. The purpose is here to understand how can we coordinate the policies. And that I worked and it prevailed. So if you resist the temptation to dominate you, you can achieve something. The problem is in achieving that, you have a risk of personal insecurity, both physical, financial and job-wise. And that is what most of the governors of the state bank have failed to do. 
Nadim, just to uh, just very quickly, just a very small point. I've heard some uh, someone was in fact asked me the other day. If the governor actually attends the ECC, that's one form of coordination. So, but you and I don't have to know. There will never be an agenda item relating to the central bank. So you can't take the ECC as a serious uh, institution, institutional framework for discussions on government policy and economic policy. Now there is stand for Shahid. You know what does EC st ECC stand for? ये याकूब साहब यहाँ वो अरशद जमान साहब थे अब पता नहीं वो हैं कि नहीं यहाँ वो हमेशा उनकी बड़ी अच्छी डेफिनेशन है ईसीसी की इट इज द इकोनॉमिक ट्रांजैक्शंस एंड कंसेशंस कमेटी मेरा नदीम का जी डॉक्टर साहब मेरा नदीम का स्टैंडर्ड जॉब था टुगेदर कि जिस दिन ईसीसी नहीं होती थी हम to save 25 billion during that meeting or just in 25 se kaam hota tha we always used to applaud him let me also give you an in one of the ecc meetings chaired by benazir in those days the benazir used to chair the meeting not the france minister the ministry of finance brought a, a, a note for clearance of the ECC, which related to the State Bank of Pakistan and commercial banks, you know. So I raised the point and I told the Benazir that under the change regulations, this does not fall in the jurisdiction of the ECC. It is a jurisdiction of the State Bank of Pakistan. And I would submit to you that it it cannot be discussed and reviewed and decided here. And she willingly, after listening to all the arguments, agreed with that and said this matter should be sent to the state bank, not brought here, you know. Another case I tell you where the, 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 the same Benzid Bhutto who people thought didn't listen to others, you know. When we introduced this section 9A and 9.2 and I told everybody that the limits that we have set for borrowing would have to be respected by various governments. And if they don't respect, the state bank will be willing to dishonor their checks if they are issued. They didn't listen to me and it's, I bounced back the checks of the uh, Sindh government and of the frontier government. And they said, it has never happened to us that the state bank has done so and went to the Benazir Bhutto and Benazir Bhutto called me and I told her, this is the law, this is the provision, this is what I did. And she said, instead of saying something to me, she said, draft a letter from me, I will send to the, all the chief ministers that this is the jurisdiction of the state bank of Pakistan. And if you don't listen to them, they are entitled to do that. So if in some way, you risk yourself to the exposure of dangers. You can have de facto autonomy that Shahad has been mentioning. He himself had done that and paid a price for that, you know. So there is a fault line in the state bank itself 
not being able to do what is supposed to do. Let me take some questions from the floor. Alia Khan. Ji, shukriya, Nadeem. Um, मैं तीन साल मॉनेटरी पॉलिसी कमिटी पे रही हूं और मैंने सुने जो यकूब साहब के और शाहिद साहब के भी जो व्यूज थे उसके बारे में बहरहाल मेरा एक्सपीरियंस अच्छा था और एक तरह से पूरी इकोनॉमी का जो मैक्रो इकोनॉमिक फ्रेमवर्क है वो रिसर्च डिपार्टमेंट सामने लाता था स्टेट बैंक का रिसर्च डिपार्टमेंट भी बहुत अच्छा है और उस पे काफी बहस होती थी और मैं बजाते मैक्रो इकोनॉमिस्ट के खुद सारे लिंकेजेस के बारे में सवाल पूछती थी ये 2016 से 19 तक की बात है पहली जो एमपीसी बनी थी जो इस वक्त मैं पूछना चाह रही हूं अपने दोनों स्टीम पैनलिस्ट से वो ये है कि हम असल जो कोर इशू है कि ये इनिशिएट कहां से हुआ ये अमेंडमेंट बिल उसके ऊपर क्यों नहीं बात करते क्योंकि जहां तक मैंने गुफ्तगु सुनी है टीवी पे मीडिया में तो वो सिर्फ एक अटॉनमी का लव्स इस्तेमाल करके और उसको आईएमएफ के साथ जोड़के उससे आगे नहीं बढ़ती गुफ्तगु और पार्लियामेंट में भी कल भी यही हुआ आज भी यही हुआ है तो जिस पसंद की बहस हम यहाँ कर रहे हैं उसका लेवल तो हम पार्लियामेंट से एक्सपेक्ट भी नहीं कर सकते तो फिर ये कौन इसको अनफोल्ड करेगा और अगर नहीं होता अनफोल्ड और इसी तरह से ये पास हो जाता है तो गोइंग फॉरवर्ड क्या असरात जो हैं वो मुरत्तब होंगे और एक मैं सीपीआई के बारे में और बात बता दूं एंकर के तौर पे उसको कहा गया क्योंकि मैं पीबीएस के भी कमेटीज पे हूं तो 2018-19 के बाद सीपीआई एक सिर्फ अर्बन बेस्ड सीपीआई नहीं है अब सीपीआई की सीरीज अर्बन के लिए अलग है रूरल के लिए अलग है तो इन बातों को क्यों नहीं डिबेट किया जा रहा जब एंकर की बात हो रही है थैंक यू थैंक यू वेरी मच जी क्यों याकूब साहब वुड यू लाइक टू रिस्पॉन्ड शाहिद देखिए इसमें फंडामेंटली अगर कोई पॉलिसी इनिशिएटिव अंदर से प्रोड्यूस होता है that we genuinely feel that something needs to be done. And that is done. It is then respected. It has its effects that we want to achieve. autonomy, this is a conditionality that the IMF has imposed. The Ministry of Finance, or for that matter, the entire government probably would not agree with it in principle, but is agreeing on it under compulsion because if it is one of the conditionalities for loan and the loan has to be taken. So we agree to do whatever they say. We don't take any attention to what they say because we don't mean to implement it in genuinely. We simply want to meet the conditionality. So if that is... Sir,
So I, I, where Jacob sir? Yeah. So the 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 origin of this reform is not a genuine desire of the government or for that matter the Ministry of Finance to do something to bring about autonomy of the state bank. It's imposed by IMF. It will die down with the IMF and it is gone, and nothing will happen. Let me take it. Shahid, do you want to say anything or shall I take the next question? I think essentially, I tend to agree with him. But secondly, look, uh, it has also become an excuse for throwing in certain things in the law, which have nothing to do with the fund. And the fund, you know better than I, uh, was really looking at essentially clarity objectives, wanted perhaps much more to be said about inflation targeting, I suspect, uh, must have suggested the five-year term largely because of continuity from one government to another. Uh, so there would be that continuity. Beyond that, a lot of things, frankly, and of course, something with relate, relate to directed credit, the rest of it really essentially has been driven by the institution itself because a lot of what they go through at a personal level is, is considered as, this is considered as a good opportunity to address that as well. So, uh, but the seriousness to, to actually get it implemented, I. I, like Dr. Yakub, have serious uh, uh, doubts, personally. Thank you. Achaji, can I bring in Sanaullah, sir? Assalamu alaikum. Ji, walaikum. Can I introduce Sanaullah, sir? Ji, Sanaullah, I'm a legal advisor in State Bank. Achaji, okay. Dr. Yakub sahab has probably done the character of individuals. हम देखते हैं कि लोगों के مختلف رویے ہوتے ہیں یعنی بعض بعض لوگ ایسے ہیں کہ صبح کہے بعض کیا جمعہ میرے ساتھ پڑھیں گے تو وہ یہ نہیں بتائیں گے کہ صبح جمعہ نہیں ہے وہ کہیں گے یس سر سم ٹائمز باس ایکسپیکٹس ٹو بی انفارمڈ پراپرلی دوسری بات یہ ہے کہ جو ہم قوانین میں اٹانمی دیتے ہیں تو قوانین پہ عمل نہ ہو تو مثلاً मैं एक मिसाल दूंगा कि 5 साल हो या 3 साल स्टेट बैंक के गवर्नर का टेन्योर इफ ए गवर्नर कैन बी मेड टू रिजाइन बिफोर दैट तो फिर उस टेन्योर का क्या फायदा है मतलब यह है कि जब आप पे प्रेशर पड़े तो शुड यू रिजाइन और शुड यू स्टैंड अप ठीक बस यही बात है गवर्नर एक छोटी सी बात बता दें ये जो लॉ है ये आप लोगों ने सेंट्रल बैंक ने खुद बनाई थी आईएमएफ ने दी थी और ये पब्लिक को दे क्यों नहीं रहे व्हाई इज इट अंडर रैप्स जबकि कैबिनेट ने अप्रूव कर दिया और पार्लियामेंट में जा रही है शुड नॉट बी मेड अवेलेबल टू द पीपल गंडल साहब चनावला साहब एक तरफ ऐतराज है कि जनाब बात ये है कि आपको कानून का पता नहीं और आप लोग सारे तकरीरें कर रहे हैं तो फिर दे दो भाई सर मैं मैं अर्ज कर रहा हूं कि मेरे ख्याल में तो यह पब्लिक को देना चाहिए और इसकी कोई वजह नहीं है इस सीक्रेसी की और तमाम कवानीन के मुतलक यही होना चाहिए कानून तो बनाना आई जब तक पब्लिक को पता ना चले आई डोंट नो कि यह इसमें सीक्रेसी क्या है सही और यह लॉ लिखी किसने है जी 
दैट आई एम नॉट प्रीवी टू ठीक है ठीक है यकूब साहब जी व्हेन वी इंट्रोड्यूस द सिमिलर लेजिस्लेशन इन 1993 वी ड्राफ्टेड ऑरसेल्स दिस लॉस आई टोल्ड यू जुबैर खान वाज एट दैट टाइम द कॉमर्स मिनिस्टर बोथ ऑफ अस सेट देयर and we looked at each word that we had used and we drafted it we took it to the ministry of finance and they fortunately didn't understand what we were doing acha and they didn't have any input it it was put in the ordinance the ordinance went to the national assembly was approved as it is the only problem is once it was approved and when i told them what its implications are for implementation everybody got scared but at least for one year i did manage to follow through with that and thereafter it was put in the shelves and abandoned forever you know yeah. but at yeah. least we knew when the laws were being changed yeah. and amendments were made we knew what we were doing and we were doing something uh, for the good of the country we were saying let the state bank determine based on the monetary policy considerations what is the safe limit of government borrowing meaning thereby which will not be inflationary in that in its content and that amount of money they can take it take to the budget and make the budget based on that only this much we can borrow what the government has been doing is they base they first determine their expenditures then they don't take the tax effort and then they say everything else has to be either borrowing from the state bank or borrowing from abroad that will finance the budget so we are in the wrong process of formulation of policies the formulation of policies should come not from the residual deficit is to be met by the state bank it should be other way around what the state bank says is the borrowing should be the limit and we should work out our expenditures and our revenue effort based on that unless that process is reversed we will continue to have this problem of pressure on this printing of notes as a means of financing the budget bilkul sir dr adib sayed abhi the role of this monetary policy is essentially to find money for the government so what is injection ke through they are directly nahi ja sakte monetary policy is essentially down to finding money for the federal government to spend but section officer ki maar hai section officer phone karta hai ki sir ji paise bhej kar khairiyat se mutala farma baat itni hai assalam alaikum it is an honor to introduce you ji ji assalam alaikum main main dr atib sayed right now deputy director in research department स्टेट बैंक ऑफ पाकिस्तान और फोरकास्टिंग टीम का हिस्सा हूँ आज मोहम्मद याकूब साहब को सुन सका हूँ शायद आफिस बारदार साहब से मैं मिला भी हूँ और उनके साथ रहा भी हूँ दो दफाजन पे तो आई एम लाइक अब बात यह है कि मैं शुरू तो इस चीज से करता कि जब लॉ में आ जाएगा तो जैसे रजा बाकी साहब कामरान खान के शो पे अभी आए हुए थे और इसी चीज पे बात हो रही थी तो वो कह रहे थे कि जैसा कि मेरा भी ख्याल था और हर इकोनॉमिस्ट का ख्याल है जो लर्नड इकोनॉमिस्ट है उसका यही ख्याल है कि जब आप फुली ऑटोनोमस कर देंगे गवर्नमेंट स्टेट बैंकों के वो 
ना दे गवर्नमेंट को जो है पैसा टू फाइनेंस डेफिजिट तो ये चीज इनक्रेज करेगी उसको कि वो जाके एफ बी आर को इतना स्ट्रॉन्ग करे के टैक्स करेक्शन हो ताकि डेफिसिट कम होना शुरू हो मतलब सीरियस नोट पे जाएगा लेकिन ये सवाल इसलिए मैं नहीं करना चाह रहा क्योंकि जिस तरह से ये अनफोल्ड हुआ है डिस्कशन और हमें बेनजीर लेवल तक की बातें पता चली बेहतरीन और हिस्ट्री में मेरा वैसे भी बहुत इंटरेस्ट है तो उससे पता चलता है कि लॉ तो बन जाएगा लेकिन वो इम्प्लीमेंट फिर नहीं हो सकेगा बहुत सारी इश्यूज उसके आएंगे तो मैं ये पूछना चाहता हूँ ऑनरेबल गवर्नर से कि ड्यूरिंग द टाइम जब इनका टेन्योर अपना था स्पेशली मोहम्मद याकूब साहब का क्योंकि इनका लॉन्गर टेन्योर था तो एफ बी आर की स्ट्रेंथ उसकी टैक्स कलेक्शन जैसे हम रोते रहते हैं एज इकोनॉमिस्ट इवन लाइक इस लेवल पे आके कि टैक्स बड़े फिशेज से नहीं कलेक्ट होता जिसकी वजह से हमारा डेफिजिट होता है जिसकी वजह से हमें डेफिजिट फाइनेंसिंग करनी पड़ती है और भी बाकी पोलिटिकल इंटरेस्ट होते हैं तो क्या एफ और उसकी कलेक्शन से रिलेटेड या उसकी सीरियसनेस से रिलेटेड कोई डिस्कशन होते थे जब आप वहाँ होते थे तो उसकी कोई हिस्ट्री देंगे दैट विल बी लाइक यू नो वेरी वैल्यूबल फॉर यू थैंक यू वेरी मच एंड लेट मी टेल यू दैट ड्यूरिंग माई टेन आईड मोस्ट all the ec mem- uh, meeting i was a member of the ec mm-hmm. i attended most of the cabinet meeting in which the budget was discussed the annual budget uh, d- discussion that used to be held at the cabinet level i used to participate and give an input in, in it the thing is that if you want to make an input in decision making you have to take risks and the risks are many if you say something contrary to what somebody who is more powerful is doing you risk your job and i at no stage thought that their job was more important to me than the responsibility of making a professional contribution and in my own judgment whenever i did that in spite of i being all alone most of the time the the prime ministers were very respectful of what the views were given by you so i didn't have the experience of being ignored this fiscal policy was discussed in my presence i made the uh, suggestions even nawaz sharif used to listen to that and uh, and uh, and respect the views you know the thing is that at the same time i want to tell you that i at least about six time i offered to resign from the state bank from the state bank as governor instead of looking for the second term uh, on disagreements with the government on policies although i knew that they could not remove me for policy differences i thought if i am unable to effectively contribute sitting here saying you cannot remove me does not help the country so the best thing is for you, for you to make use of your skills if you have the professional competence and make the statements there and risk the job and and if the job is lost is lost mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can I can I respond to what uh, Adib uh, as a question raised? It's not just about tax collection by FDR. Really, we are also forgetting there is a huge hole, which is the expenditure side of the equation. Yeah, they should see 
उसके अलावा आई मीन हेयर इज हेयर इज अ गवर्नमेंट विच आफ्टर दमेंडमेंट रेलवे salary and i respect that i think a very good initiative and it should continue but i raise a very basic point you've all entitled yourself to market driven salary but have chosen the pension schemes of the public sector you want the best of both worlds aap yahan bhi ye wohi hai jo government pe ho raha hai you know you we are forgetting the expenditure side of the equation main aapko aaj kehta hu आप ये बंद कर देना लेंडिंग टू गवर्नमेंट इंक्लूडिंग ऑफकोर्स नीडलेस टू से इंजेक्शन मैं देखता हूँ आप सारे अपने खर्चे कहाँ से पूरे करेंगे मेरा ओपन चैलेंज मैं सीरियस हूँ बिल्कुल बिल्कुल this is perhaps the best institution we have in the public sector in pakistan which is the state bank in terms of competence credibility and ability but you can't have it both ways you can't have private sector salaries and pension benefits of the public sector which we are all lamenting today ki ye government to ye pension de nahi sakegi theek hai tala sahab tala sahab please introduce yourself and say what you want to say Um, in your opening remarks, you mentioned that uh, the setting up of the MPC, the Monetary Policy Committee, uh, effectively undermined uh, the SPP board, um, and it went against the international best practices. Uh, could you please comment a, a bit more on this? Because uh, in my mind, the SPP MPC, as it stands, uh, still has majority representation of the, the SPP board members and uh, the SPP senior management, and only like one third of it is independent economists. Uh, they're also academics and typically not politicians. So, um, how is the current structure of the MPC undermining the SPP or the or the authority of the SPP board? My whole approach is that the best international practices that are followed, both in the public and the private sector, is that an organization, a corporation, or a body has a very effective board of directors. It should be a people of competence. 
And that is the core of the decision-making process in the country, in that institution. If you have the central board of directors of competent people, you don't need to segment it into categories and then set aside the core function of that organization outside the purview of the central board of directors. That's what you have done. The same economists that you have put it on the monetary policy side, you should keep it, you should bring them on the monetary on the board, board, let the board be both administratively and otherwise and monetary policy wise, the one that debates the issues, discusses the issues and resolves the matters. You know, right now, central bank is being segmented into various sections, which is not inducive to a coherent uh, outcome here. Mm -hmm. So I, I am not saying that the, the, the monetary policy committee that you have now is incompetent. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, instead of taking it out of the central uh, board of directors, it should be in the board of directors itself and the board of directors should also be in charge of reviewing, finalizing, editing, improving the reports that you produce below and come through this journal to the board for review. Otherwise, what happens is it becomes a one-man show. The Governor Central Bank is being given every authority and he is an economic czar and there should be no economics are in that country, you know. Great. Shahid, you want to say anything? Very quickly, I, I uh, when I hear uh, Tala and uh, Dotsa, my point is simply, I've always looked at the monetary policy committee. Shahid, you've muted yourself. Shahid, to you me, it's it. like, I mean, I, I have sympathy with some of what Allah has raised, and Dr. has also mentioned partly that. The way I look, uh, I've always looked at the Monetary Policy Committee, it should be providing an input for the decision by the board. So in a sense, you can still have the MPC outside the board, but provided it's like the equivalent of the ECC. So providing an input to the board to take the final decision, as long as it operates in that fashion, I see no, no problem that you can bring in people with that kind of uh, you know, expertise, focusing on the, the MBC part, providing the input, the necessary input. But, but Shahad, right now what's happening in that monetary policy is, is basically being determined by the state bank's internal staff. Because- As long as it is done in this fashion, then it becomes, it covers both, both aspects that you can have access to you know, good quality inputs from experts or professional with that, people with that kind of professional background. Yeah, can I ask from my colleague, how many times have they accepted the advice of the outside experts when they come to the Monetary Policy Committee and change their uh, decision that they have made earlier? Can you tell us how Adib Saab is what to but may I can hold on to Tell us, Abhijit Sir, do you want to comment on that? 
I guess they're gone. Let me go to Ahmed Pirzada. Ahmed Pirzada, go ahead, introduce yourself and make your point. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm a lecturer in economics at the University of Bristol. Uh, so sorry, I, I joined in a bit late, so I might have missed a few things at the beginning. Uh, but the impression I was getting uh, from the comments recently was maybe as if uh, clarifying on the objectives of the monetary policy is somewhat not so consequential. Uh, but the few, and then there were a uh, few charts shown and so on. But the few times the central bank or the state bank has, be, has been able to increase its interest rates, that was very much at the beginning of a currency crisis. And if anything, that's actually a report chart very much against the performance of the central bank. And we clearly see, I haven't lived long enough, so maybe I, I don't know, I'm not fully informed. But then the recent crisis we have seen is very much uh, uh, you have a new central bank come in in the middle of uh, 2017. He tries to adjust the, the exchange rate, some, some, of, some of it, and then he's rebuked by the finance ministry. Then the ministry minister leaves, and then you have an adjustment in the exchange rate. And the new government comes in, then you have more adjustment in the exchange rate. And that sort of clearly dictates that there is some sort of uh, a control over the policies being set by the, by the state bank. And in the process, you've got uh, reserves being depleted, you've got a financial bubble being built up, and all of that is being uh, 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 let Let's get, get Yakub Sab and Shahid to answer that. Go ahead, Ji. Shahid, you want to go first? Okay. No, we've been through this several times. We've been late. I'm going to be late. We've accepted that. Um, Depends, in, there have been, I, I repeat, two variants. I've mentioned this already. There have been periods in which the institution itself, without pressure from Islamabad, has actually continued with an overvalued exchange rate. This period was period there were people in key decision-making positions who were actually also transferring their private funds abroad. And one of the ways that they were doing so was essentially keeping you know the exchange rate overvalued. They can bat here, issue. it has its assets in dollars and liabilities on the piece. detail That's all I want to say. I I don't have a clear view of what the question is. Hmm. Can you tell me what the question is and I can come back? Question here, Pooch Ranji, central bank exchange rate or interest rate ka jo hai, nexus, usko uh, manage karte hai, to uh, eventually usme kahina kahi ministry of finance kahatajata. Or uski vaja se ek pressure central bank ko feel hota hai. So central uh, bank should be free in terms of setting both interest rate and exchange rates. Kya apka khayal hai ye sahi hai? Dekhye, isme, again the issue is the exchange rate. Let me take up the exchange rate first. Exchange rate in Pakistan is affected not purely by monetary developments. There are common policy variables that impacts it. And it, it cannot really be determined exclusively by the, by the State Bank of Pakistan without having a consultation with the government and looking at its implications. For example, uh, same is true of the interest rates. Now, 
the, the government grumbles that when the state bank raises the interest rates, it increases the debt servicing liability of the government and it has these implications, you know. But at the same time, the, the state bank grumbles that the government dictates to it keeping the interest rates low because it wants to have the burden on lower. Uh, what it means is that they are not looking at the economic aspects of the policies. They are looking at what it has an implication for what they are doing. That should not be the approach. The approach in determining the interest rates by the central bank, which is basically the short-term interest rates, long-term interest rates should have no concern. It should be determined by the monetary policy considerations. But at the same time, the government, when it borrows and it asks the state bank to, to borrow for it, the government dictates to the state bank what the interest rate should be. I used to say to Jafri Saab at that point in time when they had this auction, it's that you can determine one of the two things. You can determine what amount you want, or you can determine what interest rate cutoff rate should be. You can't determine both that we want so much that we want at the lower interest rate also. You know. So there has to be an understanding on both the fiscal authorities and the monetary authorities of the interrelationships and how to resolve them in a larger national interest and not from the point of view of individual institutions. You know. If I, if I may come in very quickly, our market, the so-called market for exchange rate is a very thin market. So like, you know, we're making too much of the market-driven fly, very thin market. The government of Pakistan, of course, aided or abetted by the state bank, borrows money commercially. Exchange rate is So is that a way of managing the exchange rate by borrowing more externally? Good point. Good point. Let me bring in Ali Muhammad Sab. Ali Muhammad Sab, can you introduce yourself and raise your point? Ali Muhammad. Ali Muhammad, nahi hai? Acha. Then the last question by Muhammad. Jee, waalaikum salam. Boli Ali Sab. Sir, University University of Karachi se mera taluk hai. I just thank you for your time. There was a discussion on this. And for organizers and our senior experts, I thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Mohamed Hussain, last question. Introduce yourself and ask your question. Assalamu alaikum. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry, sorry. Ahmed, I'll get to you. Mohamed Hussain. Assalamu alaikum. Can you hear me? Now you can hear you. Go ahead. Introduce yourself, please. Yeah. Ji Hasnail uh, from uh, Monetary Management Team of State Bank of Pakistan. Um, regarding, my question was regarding uh, a government debt um, and how uh, uh, the new law actually puts a limit on it. But I actually wanted to discuss the second uh, uh, side of the coin as well. Because again, government is the monopsony buyer in Pakistan of debt, right? We all know that. So, if we leave perfectly market, ke chhod denge, so market can actually, we actually, uh, market can actually exploit it. Because central bank borrowing, in a way, it is a monetization of debt, but on the alternative side, it is also a tool for government to actually keep a check on market manipulation. 
अगर हमने देखा कि रिसेंटली जब से ये आईएमएफ का प्रोग्राम है यील्ड्स ऑन इवन थ्री मंथ डिस्पाइट द इंटरेस्ट रेट जुलाई जून से हमारा कांस्टेंट है डिस्पाइट दैट द यील्ड्स हैव बीन ग्रेजुअली एजिंग अप बिकॉज मार्केट नोस के इवेंचुअली जो इनके पास डेट पड़ा हुआ है ये हमारे ऊपर आना है वे विल बी द बायर्स ऑफ दिस डेट सो दे विल इंक्रीज कीप इंक्रीजिंग द यील्ड्स सो एंड सेकंडली द सिस्टम एक्चुअली रिवॉर्ड्स होल्डिंग द गवर्नमेंट डेट अगर हम फाइनेंशियल स्टेबिलिटी के पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू से देखें इफ यू आर होल्डिंग अ गवर्नमेंट डेट देन यू आर नॉट यू विल वोंट हैव टू प्रोवाइड एनी रिस्क अलाउंस ऑन इट 100% क्लीन होगी आपकी बुक्स सो यू कैन पे आउट व्हाटएवर यू वांट टू से और सेकंडली हमारा इंटरेस्टेड जो ट्रांसमिशन स्ट्रक्चर है दैट आल्सो रिवॉर्ड्स इट बिकॉज़ हमने ये लिंक किया हुआ है कि आपने डिपॉजिटर्स को फ्लोर माइनस 50 बीपीएस देना है तो अगर आप पॉलिसी रेट पे भी डेट उठा लेते हैं यू विल स्टिल हैव दैट डिसेंट गैप ऑफ 150 बीपीएस जी और पॉलिसी रेट जो आपको स्प्रेड मिल जाएगा इवन इफ आपको गवर्नमेंट डेट उठाए तो सिस्टम भी उसको नहीं प्रमोट करता कि आपकी मॉनेटरी पॉलिसी की इफेक्टिवनेस इन टर्म्स ऑफ प्रमोटिंग ग्रोथ एंड प्राइवेट क्रेडिट बिकॉज सिस्टम भी इस तरह का डिजाइन है कि वो आपके पब्लिक डेट को गवर्नमेंट के डेट को प्रोटेक्ट करता है इनफैक्ट इट प्रमोट्स द बैंक होल्डिंग द गवर्नमेंट डेट वर्सेस लेंडिंग इट आउट ऑफ द पीपल बट द सेकेंड थिंग अगर आप इसको टोटली ट्रांसफर करने का देते दैट वुड ऑल्सो एंड अप डूइंग लिटल बिट मोर हार्म एंड एक्चुअली टेक अवे अलॉट ऑफ टूल्स फ्यूचर पॉसिबल टूल्स फ्रॉम द सेंट्रल बैंक सीन in western countries central banks have started and even bought the government debt to bring the yields down around now agar aap dekhe to inflation premium bahut zyada badh gaya across the yield curve so this can actually iske upar itni discussion nahi i seen on on when shayad sab boliye acha nahi dekhe if you recall i said ki this is was purely about the law i'd be more than happy one of these days to sit down again जी बात यह है कि गवर्नमेंट के मैं आपको सवाल पूछ रहा हूं कलेक्ट्रल होगा तो कुछ होगा बैंकिंग सिस्टम में नहीं है दुनिया में जब क्वांटिटेटिव इजी हुई द होल आइडिया वाज टू गिव मनी टू द प्राइवेट सेक्टर यहां तो उल्टा है मुझे तो समझ नहीं आती कि बैंकों को क्या जरूरत पड़ी है ट्रेजरी का बंदा रखें बाकी सारों को फारिग कर दें आपका क्या कैपिटल एडिक्वेसी रेशियोस भी उसी पे बने हुए हैं द पॉइंट दैट यू रेज सो पॉइंट इज फ्रैंकली वी नीड टू हैव अ डिस्कशन ऑन दिस थिंग सो फॉर द देयर आई जेन्युइनली बिलीव वी शुड हम फंस गए हैं कि यू नो वी आर कंटीन्यूअसली टॉकिंग अबाउट द लॉ एंड वी नीड टू गो बियॉन्ड दैट दैट्स व्हाई आई सेड एट द वेरी बिगिनिंग अगर आप इसमें आए थे This whole question of functions, objectives, क्या है कौन से इंस्ट्रूमेंट आज क्या होना चाहिए एंकर क्या होना चाहिए मैं मेरे ऐसे ये शायद कहना शुरू हो जाए कि यार बात सुनो लेट्स अग्री कि जी हमने लेवल ऑफ रिजर्व क्या होने बाकी सिर्फ भाड़ भाड़ में जाए लेवल ऑफ रिजर्व को फैसला कर लेते हैं बेस्ड ऑन ऑब्लिगेशन बेस्ड वॉट वी थिंक करेंट काशन सर्विस और उसकी बेसिस पर हम अपने रिजर्व बिल्डअप कर लेते हैं सो दैट वी एव इनफ ammunition for the future that will take care of the exchange rate and a lot of other things that's another way to look at so until unless we have this discussion, discussion. something chacha government desha can i make a point on this i think the state bank has not been able to understand what is going on right now in the commercial banking system right now the commercial 
the commercial banks are supposed to be mobilizing savings from the private sector and lending it to the private sector there comes the government the government debt is a default free debt the, the rate of return on it is given and the rate of return is given without mobilization of deposits because they can go to the state bank of pakistan give them the collateral of the government instruments take money from them add to that interest and collect it from the state bank. so this has a direct implication for the monetary policy itself so unless now now most of the commercial banks are, are having in their asset portfolios the largest amount of government instruments there's no business for commercial banks to hold them if i was there still i would have imposed a restriction on the commercial banks that they cannot hold government paper beyond a certain level even if that is available to them from the purely monetary management point of view nothing to do with the federal government's borrowing so so in some ways the fact that you are not lending to the central uh, to, uh, to the government is, is not a big deal as much as it is being made because there is an indirect way of borrowing and what happens then the government takes this paper it comes to it 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 its profits are transferred back to the government the government on a net basis doesn't lose much so the central bank has to regardless of whether these laws are changed or not should conduct its policies in a way that it takes into account not only what is being done in terms of borrowing from the central bank itself but what's being done in terms of borrowing from the commercial banks by the government this aspect is an important one and should be looked into commercial banks are in the business of making money aap unko ye opportunity denge theek hai interest rate badha denge but but shacha you shouldn't do it the central bank should not do this kya kar nahi dekha na ek we have a reality theek hai ji state bank ki pay scale से ऊपर है फेडरल रियलिटी ये फोर basic questions these are questions but let me quickly go through them because pirzada is there um i want to ask him uh, and actually also to shayad kardar saab a lot of people have been throwing around this uh, data on how interest rates set by state bank impact inflation i have not seen data yet from pakistan at least spanning quarter of a century which proves that this really does make an impact my second question and actually it's more of a yeah, comment that a person 
नहीं नहीं बादशाह आपने तो उसको भाग फेंक दिया ना पीरजादा साहब ने इतनी लंबी डायट ट्रैप लगाई है ट्विटर के ऊपर इसके ऊपर अच्छा दूसरा जो सवाल यह है कि देखिए कि ये जो जहां तक रहा ये सवाल जो सब पूछ रहे हैं कि लॉ किसने बनाया तो हमें सबसे पहले इन लोगों को ये बता देना चाहिए कि एटलीस्ट ऑन पेपर द ब्रेड एंड इंस्टीट्यूशन आर नॉट अलाउड बिकॉज इज अ लीगल इम्प्लीकेशन टू इधर ड्राफ्ट और इवन हायर अ लॉयर टू ड्राफ्ट लॉ तो ये जो भी है सिवाय इसके कि टेक्निकल कमेंट दिए जाएं तो ये कहीं ना कहीं से तो इनिशिएट हुआ होगा आई लाइक टू अंडरस्टैंड कि कहां से हुआ तीसरी चीज इजाजत दे दे एक बात यह की ये सारा जो काम हो रहा है और इस पर मैं शायद साहब की बात से मुतफिक हूँ उन्होंने तीन दफा बारहा बोला की भाई ये लॉ कहाँ है भेज दो ना ये कम्युनिकेशन स्ट्रेटजी कहाँ गई शायद साहब और याकूब साहब कि मतलब इसको आप अखबार में तो लाइए वेबसाइट पे डालिए आखिरी सवाल क्या ये जो कि मैंने तीन हफ्ते पहले भी ट्विटर पे डाला था सवाल नहीं अच्छा मिला खिजर साहब बहुत लोगों ने इस पर कमेंट किया कि यार क्या हर्ज था कि एक ऑल्टरनेट मैकेनिज्म ऑफ इंडिपेंडेंस वॉज कि आप अपना बैंक थोड़ा सा बेच दें भाई क्यों ना हम 49% वापस प्राइवेट सेक्टर को ले आए और फिर एक इंडिपेंडेंट बोर्ड बना दें ये सब सवाल हैं जो मैंने नहीं सुने no minis you know so <laughs> the the role will not change and uh, the private sector uh, board members who come there they don't come there to make a, a professional contribution they come there because they are the shareholders so they don't bring in the expertise you know so the only way the boards can function properly is if the boards are like in most of the countries professionally competent people sitting there having a judgment that is valued professionally so unless that is there the board change of composition and change of ownership of of the state bank will not make much of a difference i'm a very quick i'll just say two very quick points i am not aware of all any major country jahan pe private sector को ऐसा शेयर है बट मोर इम्पोर्टेंटली मोर इम्पोर्टेंटली मैं आपसे पूछता हूँ एंड यू सीन इनफ पब्लिक सेक्टर कॉपोरेशन योर बैकग्राउंड मुझे ये बताओ जहाँ पे फिफ्टी वन परसेंट गवर्नमेंट का सर मुझे प्राइवेट सेक्टर क्या कर सकता था पब्लिक सेक्टर ये तो बहुत सीरियस काम है स्टेट बैंक रिलेटिवली स्पीकिंग मुझे ये दिखाओ ना यू मैन यू सीन फार मोर पब्लिक सेक्टर कॉपोरेशन देन एनी वन ऑफ अस वहां पर क्या हुआ फिफ्टी वन फिफ्टी फोर्टी नाइन बाकी छोड़ो स्टेट बैंक थैंक यू वेरी मच 
it's been a great discussion i think this has been the best discussion so far very very detailed discussion which is what was needed i think this discussion everybody should listen to in terms of analyzing and debating the law i hope parliamentarians listen to it ek cheez yakub sahab badi ajeeb hai ki ye wahid mulk hai jahan ke parliamentarians aur bureaucrats apne aap ko akle kul samajhte hain wo kabhi aise webinars pe nahi aate आपको याद होगा कि वहां खैर आप तो रहते ही वहां हैं कि अमेरिका में ब्रोकिंग्स जाएं आप जाएं वो right. किसी भी वेबिनार पे तो बड़े बड़े स्टेट डिपार्टमेंट ट्रेशरी के लोग आ जाते हैं यहाँ कोई नहीं आता ये हमारा बहुत बड़ा मसला है क्या कह रहे मैं ये आपको सपोर्ट करना चाहता था यहाँ पे पार्लियमेंटरी and also get the information from them as to how the various components of the government can be changed and can be influenced and their their own views will be changed reports that we have been sending they put it in the shelves and they never even look at them so what to speak of discussing them with so the whole period and the purpose <laughs> this whole thing was initiated was nullified you know Well, folks. See, thank you, Yakub Sir. Just to remind ourselves, nothing very quickly. Remind ourselves, this Parliament me fiscal sustainability law passed. Kia, aaj tak kisi ne pucha? Ye transgress ho gaya, sixty se nove ho gaya. Kisi ne pucha? But the point simply is that still doesn't mean that still doesn't mean. Okay. In that we can somehow by, we should by, bypass Parliament. I don't believe that. Uh, and i think that it is time that they should reach out to other people to help them understand the various things we are not only including all of us here and the point simply is it's, it's a collective wisdom and, and we need to reach out to each other and hopefully in a thing uh, just to conclude from my side we we need to talk about the kind of functions and objectives that the state bank should really be given a mandate for and, really? and really this debate थैंक यू वेरी मच याकूब साहब शायद साहब वी हैव कवर्ड अलॉट ऑफ ग्राउंड आई थिंक a considerably detailed discussion i think a lot more needs to be discussed unfortunately we will not have that kind of discussion we should have many more of these we are going to do at least two more of these webinars with eminent people like yourself primarily to educate our population on these issues and i thank you for doing this today inshallah see you both again soon all the best to you thank you everybody thank you yaqub sir love